Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you will hear me, Jenny Scholick, in conversation with soloist Lonnie Weeks. This episode was recorded on Sunday, April 7th, 2019, before a performance of Program 5, Lyric Voices. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Meet the Artist conversation for Program 5, Lyric Voices. Uh, I'm Jenny Scholick. I'm the Associate Director of Audience Engagement here at San Francisco Ballet, and I am so pleased to be joined today by soloist Lonnie Weeks. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming. So um, when we asked Lonnie to do this conversation, I found out that he has done a Meet the Artist before, but it was a whole nine years ago when he first joined the company. So... uh, I feel like there's quite a bit of catching up to do over the last nine years. Um, So I want to go back to the very beginning and start by asking how you first got into dance and into ballet. Well, actually, um, no one in my family knew anything about ballet before. It was like a totally foreign concept to my family. And um, I remember one, it was Christmas, and we were um, buying Christmas trees from a farmer and they were like oh you have a bunch of kids we have a bunch of kids um and they were like oh well we're homeschooled and actually my family was homeschooled as well and they said what do you do for physical exercise what do you do for pe and my mom was like nothing they sit on the couch all day (laughs) and they were like well we put our kids in dance and we're actually thinking about opening up a studio would you be interested in being our first students and my mom was like that sounds great so um she put all of us kids I'm one of five I'm the middle child so she put all five of us in dance and everyone hated it except for me and I remember actually um I was being a middle child I was very quiet I didn't really have much of a voice a lot of times if we were um in the car driving somewhere, she would turn around and go, oh my God, where's Lonnie? And I'd be like, I'm here. Um, so I feel like when I found dance, it kind of gave me a voice. All of a sudden I felt like I kind of stood out in my family and I had something where I was like, this is mine. Like, this is, this is my thing. And I remember I just, I took to it like a duck to water and was kind of obsessive about it even. I remember I would, I would turn on, like, Judy Garland movies or Gene Kelly movies, and I would just sit in the splits. And, like, or um, it would be time to go home from the ballet studio, and I would just be in the studio. I first started out as an acrobat. So I would just be, like, running back and forth till I was red in the face trying to perfect, like, my back handsprings and stuff like that. Um... So that's how it all started. And where was this? This was in Kankakee, Illinois, kind of in the middle of a cornfield somewhere. Um, but it was, it was a great experience because it was one of those ballet studios that was like ballet, tap, jazz. You know, um, they would take us to veterans' homes or nursing homes, and we'd set up our little speaker and do our little dance or I remember like we would also be in parades and like 
summers in Illinois can be very hot and humid, and we would just be going down the the, the steaming like uh, cement with like asphalt that the like asphalt, the yeah, yeah, rising off of it. Yeah. yeah, but it really kind of prepared me to be able to kind of perform under many different conditions. I mean, I'm very fortunate to perform here. I'm <laughs> very, very, very lucky, but I, I wasn't always so fortunate. So from this first sort of all styles of dance, dance school in Illinois, where did you go from there? And how did you start to focus on ballet specifically? I think it became parent, apparent to my mom after a few years that this was something that might actually become a future for me. Like this isn't just a form of exercise. This isn't just a way to pass time. Like this might actually be something I could pursue. And so um, she kind of talked to my teachers and they were like, well, cause one of their uh, children was also like, I want to do something more. So they had found a teacher in Chicago. That's like a hour and a half drive. Away and um, the teacher, his name was Watmore Casey, <clears throat> and it was called Faberg School of Ballet. Small little studio in a strip mall, and uh, but um, I remember I went and took class there, and he made me work so hard, harder than I ever had. Um, at one point, he even wanted me to come live with him because he, he was like, because I was missing classes because it was an hour and a half drive, two hours sometimes. Um, but my mom did it. We, we at one point, we, we were going every day. So we were four hours on the road every day so that I could get professional training um, while still going to my home studio. Oh, so you were doing both at the same time. I was doing both. Because I wanted that, like, I wanted that classical ballet, that serious classical ballet training, but I wasn't ready to give up my tap dancing and my jazz and all that extra stuff. And then at some point, did you end up going away from home to pursue it seriously? So after uh, the course of a few more studios, after the one that I just mentioned, um, there kind of wasn't anything left for me in Chicago. Like I, I'd, I felt like I'd kind of gotten all I can get there. And, um, and, and Joffrey Ballet at the time didn't have a professional school. At, they were just a company. And um, I remember I was, my mom had just gone to tutu school in North Carolina. She wanted to learn how to make tutus. And she met this woman there who was a teacher and from what my mom had spoken to her, she sounded like a really good one. And this was right around the time that Hurricane Katrina had just hit. And this teacher, she lived in New Orleans and she didn't have any place to live. And so my mom was like, come stay with us. And at the time we were staying with my grandparents in New Mexico. And so she came and I remember she kind of gave me a few little like lessons in the kitchen. And she was like, you need to go um, work with somebody who's going to make you into a professional male dancer. And somebody who's done that is Ben Stevenson. He brought Carlos Acosta here. Um, and she was like, just go, let's go see what he's doing. I think he's in Fort Worth now. So we put everything in the car and we drove to Fort Worth, Texas and we got there and I auditioned 
And um, they were like, yeah, definitely. Come be in our school. I think I was about 14 at the time. And we were like, well, I kind of was like hoping for a traineeship or something more. Like if I'm going to pick up my whole life and move to Texas, I want something more. And they were like, well, Ben Stevenson is out of town, but he will fly in from wherever, wherever he was from to see you dance. If you can stay another night. So we went back to the hotel. We were like, we're staying another night. And I took class the next day and he was like, I would like to offer you a, a traineeship. So we were like, that's all we needed to hear. And we went back to Illinois and we packed up our whole life in a week and drove to uh, Texas. Um, and it was me, my mom, and my two younger brothers. And I remember like arriving in Texas, it was probably like one in the morning and you know, she didn't have a job. I had a small stipend and we were like, okay, like now what? Like, is this really go. going to really happen? Like, we did it. Um, so that's, my mom came with me. I did leave home, but my mom was in a place where she could come with me. Because mm -hmm. I was only 14. Yeah. And then what ultimately brought you from Texas Ballet Theater here to San Francisco Ballet? Um, well, again, it was kind of the same thing. Like, I felt like I had outgrown uh, what, I, what I had going in Texas. And I... I I always hoped and dreamed that I would be able to be in a top-tier company. I didn't know if I had what it um, took. Um, but my it, was, it became very apparent to me that my time in Texas was ending. And um, so I remember I was like, what if I sent my stuff to San Francisco Ballet? And my mom was like, do it. And I was like, I don't want to. Like, I'm scared. Like, what if they say no? So I sent my, my stuff into San Francisco Ballet, and they got back to me, and they said, yes, come and audition. And the day that I got that email, I broke my foot. Yeah. I was like, this is perfect. So um, I kind of lied to them, and I'm sure they're listening right now, actually. They're definitely listening but right I now. But I lied to them, and I was like, I can't come and audition I am too busy right now. Can I come in a month or so or whenever my bones heal? Um, and I remember they were like, yeah, you can come. But, you know, later in the season, there aren't going to be contracts available. And I was like, I don't care. I just want you to see me. Like, even if it's not for this season or next season, I just want to plant the seed. I want to be on your radar. So I came a month later, and I, and I auditioned, and they were like, great, we love you, but we don't have any contracts available. They were like, but we'll let you know if something changes. And I think maybe about five weeks later, I got an email being like, something changed. We have a contract available for you. Do you want it? And I remember just like jumping up and down in my living with my mom, like a scene from a movie. <laughs> um, so that's how that happened. Great. And then speaking of, you know, things that happen, you were promoted to soloist last year after eight years with the company. Yes. Applause. I think you have a lot of fans who had been waiting for that for a long time. So can you tell us a little bit about how that happened and how did you find out? Um, I kind of chalk up um, a big part of my promotion to, I mean, um, last season was was a great season to be here. A lot of opportunities went out to a lot of dancers who weren't necessarily principals or soloists. Um, so a lot of people really got to show their stuff. 
Um, but the thing that I think ultimately got me promoted was when I performed Fancy Free. And um, I was originally a different role than the one I ended up performing, and I was like third cast. Um, and then uh, JP came and saw me. Jean-Pierre Froelich, who sets a lot of our Robin's work. And, and, and um, there were a few injuries that happened, and he was like, I don't think you're in the right role. Because I was originally the sailor who's kind of more the, like, innocent, happy-go-lucky. He kind of gets, like, picked on. He's like, oh, come on, guys. And he was like, I think you have, like, a little more, like, sass and fire in you. He was like, I want to put you into the other sailor. And he's kind of the leader of the pack. He's the, um, he's the one that does the rumba solo. So he's got like some of that swagger going on. And I didn't think I could do it. I was like, he's crazy. I was like, this isn't me. Like, um, but I buckled down and I spent some time in the studio by myself learning the role. And, um, and I did it. I ended up performing it, and I loved it. It was so reminiscent of all the Gene Kelly movies that I watched. I was like, I feel like I'm just living Singing in the Rain or on the town right now. Um, so that's how that happened. And I remember JP coming up to me, and he was like, this is going to get you promoted. <laughs> he was like, you just wait. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like... I'm not going to think about But sure enough, after one of my performances of uh, Fancy Free, um, Helgi came up to me and was like, you did a good job. And I was like, well, I love it. I was like, can you bring it back next year? <laughs> and he was like, well, if I bring it back next year, you'll be doing it as a soloist. And I was like, yeah. Such a great story. So um, I want to turn to speak at least briefly about two of the ballets that the audience is going to see today, both created for last year's Unbound Festival. Uh, Trey McIntyre's Your Flesh Will Be a Great Poem and Christopher Wilden's Bound 2. You perform in both. You were part of the creative processes of both, so we'll spend a few minutes on each. Um, let's start with Trey's piece because it you know, it's shows. amazing. It is amazing, and it's first on the program, <laughs> so we're going to start with it. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what to expect from this ballet? Um, your flesh is—it's a very intimate ballet, and um, it's very human and very tender. I'd say um, one of the first things that I do when I enter the stage is I just walk on and immediately my like go-to dancer response is like stand up straight puff out your chest like look like a dancer and I'm like no that's not what this is about like you need just walk just be human um so basically when I think of your flesh I think of like realness human and just tenderness was that an aspect of the ballet that was there from the very beginning of the process? Like, did it always kind of have that feeling to it? I think, I think it did, actually. And something that's crazy about this ballet is it was, the whole thing was created in, like, three days. The choreography just kind of, like, spilled out of tray. And it was such a lovely work environment. He was so sweet, and, and, the, and the movement it feels so natural and organic. It's kind of one of those ballets that when I'm finished dancing, I'm like, well, can we do it again? 
Like it's such, it's so fun to dance. It looks, it looks fun. Yeah. Like it's one of those that as an audience member, yeah. I sit there and I think I, it makes yeah. me want to dance. It makes me yeah. want to be in that ballet. Yeah. You know? And it, it, I feel like it also, ha- the, it, the ballet gives you all these moments to connect with mm. your fellow dancers. Like you have time to like stare into their eyes and make a connection with them. So nice. Yeah. Beautiful ballet. And then the other ballet is Bound 2 by Christopher Wilden. Um, I'm going to read a little quote here because this ballet actually earned Lonnie a Standout of the Year award from Point Magazine. And we just get so much applause today. It's lovely. Claudia Bauer wrote that, quote, if a dancer is very lucky and very prepared, one performance can transform their career. Lonnie Weeks was that dancer on the opening night of San Francisco Ballet's Unbound Festival in Bound 2. So, first off, what is it like to have that kind of a moment? Like, did you see that coming with that closing solo that this ballet was going to really make a mark? I had no idea how it was going to be received. I knew that I had been given this really amazing opportunity, um, a very nerve-wracking opportunity. Um, But um, I also took comfort in the fact that I felt like the solo was really made f- for for me and for and for Jaime, who's the other um, dancer who does it. But it was really a creative process between both us and Christopher Wielden. He was like, "What do you kind of feel like you want to do here?" And I'd be like, "Well, something like this kind of feels like what I want to do." And he'd be like, "That's fine, do that, but maybe do this." So it was really a collaboration. Um, but yeah, I. I and then I remember finishing the solo and being like, how is that going to be received? I kind of just like basically cried on stage. Like, are people going to be like, that's weird? Or are they going to be like, oh my God, that's like how I feel too. Like, Yeah, is there going to be that moment of connection yeah. right, for everyone? Which is what the entire ballet is about, being disconnected and wanting to be connected. Yeah, so I mean, backing up, can you tell us a little bit about this ballet and, again, what to expect from it today? So the ballet opens with um, sort of like matrix letters and numbers coming down the curtain, and then you see everyone's one by one turn on their phone, and, and we're super transfixed at our phone, just like watching our phone, and we're twitching, and... Um, so that's how it starts out, us just being on our phone. Um, and then later on in the ballet, you kind of see that not everything is as it seems. Like you see one dancer trying to get her partner's attention and he's ignoring her and just missing out on maybe a wonderful relationship that they could be having. And Yeah. So I'm going to ask one more question and then I'm going to open it up to a few audience questions. So this is your warning to start thinking about them so that you can, you know, ask a good one. So my last one is, um, I'm always curious what dancers are up to when they're not trapped in this building. So what are some things you like to do in your little free time? I never leave this building. <laughs> what do you mean? No. <laughs> um, I, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think I do anything super interesting or special. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I really enjoy, like I said, watching old movies, like Turner Classic movies. I really enjoy that. I love Marilyn Monroe. Um, one of the reasons I love her so much is because she's so vulnerable, which is something that I 
like to think that I bring to the stage as well. Like, just be Marilyn. Um, but I think that's something that like makes her amazing is her humanness and her vulnerability. Um, I really love to attend sing-alongs at the Castro. If you ever go there, I'm, I'm usually there singing louder than any, anybody else. I love to karaoke. I would love to learn how to sing professionally one day. I don't know if it's a reality. But, um, and I also really enjoy walking around the city. As long as I have my earphones in and some good music, I can kind of walk in. I can walk for miles. Great. All right. So happy to open it up to a few audience questions, and I will repeat the question. Yes, right here. Yeah, so the question um, directed at this audience member's children in some way who are dancers, so thrilled to have you here, um, asked if Lonnie could talk a bit about your life outside of the ballet. I think, well, I, I think it's really important to have a life outside of ballet. It's, it's super important to have that other side of things because even if your life in dance is going super well, there's going to be moments where you're injured or you don't get that role or just like you get a bad review. So it's important to have something else to fall back on so that your whole world doesn't come crashing down on you when something bad in your dance life happens. So I think it's really important to have balance. I have a small group of friends that are very dear to me. Um, who attend Castro sing-alongs with me. <laughs> and, and I have amazing support from my family. My mom is incredible. Um, I mean, she's the reason why I'm here today and sitting in front of you guys. I couldn't have done any of this without her. Um, and I have amazing support from my family, even though we're very different. My, my two older siblings, they served in Iraq. My sister is now a forensic detective. My younger brother works on the railroad. Like, we're a very eclectic bunch, but we kind of all look at each other and we're like, I could never do that. And they're like, well, I could never do that. And I'm like, well, you're awesome for doing that. And they're like, you're awesome for doing that. Um, yeah. So does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, right back here. So the question is, what classical ballet steps were the hardest for you to learn? I think for me... The, I, think, I think turning is difficult just because it's so temperamental. I feel like, like I, I feel like jumping is easy for me. I can jump, but like it's so strange. You have to be so in tuned with your body when you're doing a pirouette. And one day you might be like, I'm so on my leg. Wow, I just did five pirouettes. And then the next you're falling out of one pirouette and you're like, why is this happening? It just feels like a very like fickle and moody dance step. I would agree with you on that, yeah. Anybody else? Other? Yes, right back here. So the question is, you've had wonderful teachers who have helped your career, and do you see yourself taking on the role of teacher someday? Maybe someday, but honestly, I just don't think I'm a very good teacher. I, I wish I could, but... Um, and, and maybe it's just because at this point in my life, I'm so focused on, on, inward and trying to like make this happen. Um, but um, maybe, maybe one day, maybe down the line, if I think that I can honestly be eloquent enough and, 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 and a good enough teacher, then that would be great. But at this moment, I don't, I don't see it happening for me. How about choreography? 
Do you see that? I've choreographed a little bit, but that's also something that, like, takes a lot of guts. You put so much into this piece, and you put it, like, up on the butcher's so block. Revealing. yeah. And it might be cut down or not, but um, I would like the opportunity one day. Yeah. Yes, right here. Question is, how many hours do you spend in the studio a day? Maybe take us through what a normal day looks like. Well, um, an average day is company classes at 10 in the morning. Um, and that's an hour and 15 minutes. And then we get about a 15-minute break. And um, if you have a busy day, you'll have about six hours of rehearsal. Um, but if you have a performance that night, then you might have two hours of rehearsal. Because even though we're, you know, what you're seeing tonight, what you're seeing performed, we, we're performing this, but we've already moved on to the next thing. So we are rehearsing uh, Little Mermaid right now. Yeah, yeah. we're deep into Little Mermaid yes. rehearsals at this point. I think we have time for one more question. Yes, right back there. So question is, what is a role that you would love to perform? Dream role. I would love to have another shot at Lensky in Onegin. I had I had one show of it and it was amazing and I would just love to and I've and I've been reliving it ever since. I would love to do that again. Um and I would love to play Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream. Good answers both. All right, and that is all we have time for today. Thank you guys so much. For those who came in late, I was with Lonnie Weeks, soloist, San Francisco Ballet, and I hope you all enjoy the performance this afternoon. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.